Good afternoon, KZMU listeners in Moablandia and beyond. This is Lisa, your host of Great Wide Open, heard here on KZMU on the second Monday of most months at 4 p.m. And the show is, of course, available for on-demand listening shortly here after airtime at kzmu.org or wherever you get your pods. Some might find outdoor recreation and the creation of art to be strange bedfellows. For creatives in Moab, though, the two are often intrinsically linked. On today's Great Wide Open, we hear from four of our Southeast Utah community artists in the park about that relationship, how their activities in the wilds informs and shapes their art, and how it was even greater influenced by their time as a community artist in the park. Created in 2009 from a collaboration with the NPS and today's guest, and inaugural Southeast Utah Community Artist in the Park, Chad Niehaus, this program, unlike many others, is specifically designed for resident artists, those residing in Grand, San Juan, or Montezuma counties, and entails posts in Arches, Canyonlands, Hovenweep, and Natural Bridges. As these artists so eloquently wax, our natural environment can serve as both inspiration and as foil, as the Artists in the Park program often necessitated taking the artists out of their comfort zones in many ways. Of course, as any good foil should, the result unfailingly resulted in lasting experiences the artists carry forth to this day. As our featured artists parlayed their well-laid plans and unanticipated foils into unique and resonating experiences, so might you, our dear listeners, by visiting an artist in the park, something we residents may otherwise shy away from during the tourist or heat season. Perhaps you may wish to become one, and one can find more information about being a community artist in the park at the NPS Artist in the Park website, and we will post information about that in the show notes on our website at kzmu.org. Thanks again so much to all the artists who participated in today's show, and yeah, Moab, Get out there and brave the reservations and the crowds and the heat and the bugs and go visit one of our resident artists in the park. Hi, my name is Chad Niehaus. I make soft pastel drawings and linoleum block prints, mostly landscape-based stuff. Uh, I first passed through Moab in the mid-1990s on my way to a backpacking trip in the Needles District. I started making regular forays to the greater Moab area from college in Colorado after that. My first job in Moab was working as a park ranger at Dead Horse Point State Park, and I'd volunteer for the BLM in Westwater on my days off. I started living here full-time in 2002 because I love the high desert, and Moab's hard-to-beat recreational opportunities, especially hiking. I was the inaugural community artist in the parks, in 2009, and I mostly created block prints during my tenure. I helped create the program in 2008 to provide artists an opportunity to share the inspiration they receive from the national parks near Moab, um, as, uh, and also to uh, diversify the offerings within the Canyonlands Natural History Association bookstores uh, at the parks to include locally made art and art products. This position was conceived of as a volunteer gig from the start, but one with the potential to make a good amount of sales. Most artists get paid when they sell their work, as opposed to while they're creating it. So that's the model we followed. The primary interest was giving visitors to our parks a choice 
to buy something locally made uh, and to potentially create an income source for the artist during their tenure. This has worked out quite well for several of the past community artists. I enjoy river running, hiking, backpacking, and have a particular love slash obsession for pack raft loops. My outdoor recreation and art are very closely tied. I enjoy visiting remote spots on the Colorado Plateau and capturing elements of trips to those spots through my art. I created work on site, uh, also known as plein air, for quite a while. Like I'd carry my pastel kit in my backpack or boat. Uh, but then shifted to taking photos for source material that I'd use in my studio to complete more involved pieces. I really enjoyed the fact that I had a set schedule and the external pressure to create art a certain number of hours a week. This was super helpful for me as I was trying to make a go as a professional artist at the time. It can often be difficult when self-employed to stay productive and motivated. At least it is for me. The program made me a much better and more prolific artist because I couldn't get in my own way as much. It wasn't an option to bail just because I wasn't totally feeling it on a particular day. Making art in front of people required me to at least appear very solid in my technique, even though I was experimenting and developing new-to-me processes at the time. Not only in actually making my hands do the thing, but also explaining to folks why I did the things I did like why I felt compelled to portray a particular scene. It both helped my confidence, but also humbled me in a good way. On any given day, I might be told that my work was cool, but also be completely ignored. Both reactions uh, were helpful and informative in their own way. My involvement in recreation completely dictates the art I create. I am actively seeking projects when I'm out on a trip, when I find a spot that I'm especially taken by. I spend as much time as I can there, and take notes and photos, create sketches. I usually have things pretty well worked out uh, by the time I walk or float away. The plein air experience of the park days makes it even more fun and exciting because I'm looking for the spot, figuring out what I can do there, committing to it, and seeing a piece through to completion. No procrastination allowed. Most of my time was spent in arches, but I really enjoyed balancing the busier days with an occasional foray into the backcountry, like a Stillwater cataract trip, or at a quieter unit within the southeast Utah group, like Hovenweep. Rotating locations kept the experience fresh. Being a community artist in the parks was fundamental to me becoming a successful self-employed artist. It forced me to develop good habits in producing art, creating product that appealed to visitors, meeting deadlines, sticking to a schedule, talking about my work, and owning the title of artist. This program offers a great opportunity for artists to stretch, whether it's getting more comfortable and dialed, interacting with folks, honing your craft some more, building a body of work, going after sales, and or expanding your knowledge of our amazing public lands. Please consider applying. Hi, Lisa. I'm Kathy Cooney, and I've been in Moab since the late 80s. I basically met a guy bartending at the Poplar Place. We fell in love, got married eight months later, had a son. And although my son moved away and lives in a different part of the country, my husband and I are still here. I paint with watercolors, and I was artist in the park in 2011. I became artist in the park in 2011 Uh, because somebody asked me to be, or to apply. 
And so I went through the whole application process and I'd already worked at Arches and the visitor center there. So I knew a little bit about how it worked from the retail, but I did not know anything about how Artist in the Park worked from the artist side of it. I just saw uh, NCAP displays with a lot of um, art on it from local artists. I'd been painting landscapes for 20 years before I was artist in the park. And what my landscapes typically were, were a compilation of different hikes I'd been on. So, for example, in one painting, it might encompass six different places I'd been, and I would just sort of work it all into one piece of art. Now, becoming an artist in the park was a little challenging to me because, for example, if you're sitting at landscape art, you have to paint landscape art kind of how it looks, and that's what people see, and that's what they're after. Being an artist in the park was challenging to me because, number one, I had to put myself out there in a performing artist kind of capacity, and I typically don't paint as a performing artist. I typically paint in the snuggly comfort of my little painting space at home. And being an artist in the park forced me to be out there on the trail, uh, mix with people, talk about my art. It was hard in that my paintings were drying really fast because when you're talking to somebody and painting watercolors and it's 80 degrees out, that doesn't necessarily work well with watercolors. And so it was a lot of stopping and starting. And I ended up oftentimes just bringing a couple sacrificial paintings out to work on the trail because people didn't care so much about the painting as the process of painting and what it is to be an artist in the park. And while I was out on some different trails, um, some of the different visitors to the park would follow me around throughout the day and go to different uh, spots with me. And that was really fun. Um, and there was an 11-year-old boy and his mom that came one day. I met him out there. And we ended up becoming friends and doing art projects together for the next couple years, they were lived in a different part of Utah. And every time they came to Moab, we would meet at Rotary Park and do watercolors. And um, that was very cool. Being an artist in the park forced me to get out of bed really early at like five o'clock and be up uh, Island in the Sky or Arches at 6 a.m., just to catch the light. And those are things I'd never really thought about before as an artist. And those are the memories of my experiences that lasted, that stuck with me. It wasn't really my art sales. It was being on a, let's say, Garden of Eden up in Arches at 6 a.m. in July and hearing the birds and seeing the light. And there were really very few people up there at that time. But the couple people that I did run into was really special. And 
like I said before, that being an artist in the park forced me to get out of my comfort zone, go places that I would put off going, like hiking down in natural bridges or going to Hovenweep because they're far away or the needles. And it was, I would say both an obligation and an excuse to go out to these places because you know how it is when we live in town, we can always think of something else to do. There's always something else to do, be it even pulling weeds in the yard or laundry. This was an opportunity that forced me to go outside of myself, outside of my comfort zone. Being out in nature was in my comfort zone, but talking to people about my art in nature, I'd never really done before. I remember this one guy came up to me and he was, I don't know, maybe 17 or 18. And he's like, how long did it take you to paint that? And it was a painting, you know, that I just had finished. It was on my lap and it was probably 11 by 14 inches. And I told him 30 years. <laughs> and he, he looked at me like, whoa, lady, you're like really slow. And I said, no, like I've been painting for 30 years. And so this is like, the product of 30 years, he kind of didn't get it for a moment. It takes practice. It takes doing it. Combining that with being out in nature, I think the great thing that is brought into a painting that you don't get in your from creating it in your studio is the light, is how do you put birdsong into a painting? I don't know, but I think you can. Um, and that's what registers to people later when it's framed and on a wall somewhere. It's like falling in love with a friend. You don't know exactly why, except that it speaks to you. And I think when you spend time in nature, um, it infuses you. It infuses you. It's kind of like garlic or onions, all those good things. It changes the way you go through life. Like every day I go check my mail and every day I look up at the cliff and every day I gasp. And I must have like a terrible memory because I've been doing it for 35 years, but every day I gasp as if I've never seen it before. And I think being in nature allows that to happen in a person. It trains you to be patient. It trains you to be respectful. It trains you to be quiet. It trains you to get up early. It trains you to stay up late to go out and look at the moon. If you want that relationship with nature, it will give it to you. Those experiences that I had from 2011, I still think about when I go to the Garden of Eden up in Arches, it doesn't matter what time of year, what time of day, that 6 a.m. sunrise still and the sound of the birds up there. Because a lot of times you go to Arches and it's really bright and it's crowded and you don't hear a lot of bird song, but you are up there at 5, 6 a.m. It is alive, even in July. It's alive and it's 
forever. I'll never forget that. What I learned as artists in the park, the lasting thing is the importance of light. When I was in watercolor class in college, all the skies you painted this way. It was in Illinois, Iowa, and all the skies were just kind of white and blue. But here in it, it's not just the sky that changes light, the earth changes light and colors with the time of day. Like back in Illinois and Iowa, where I went to college, the ground didn't change that much according to the time of day, but here it does. So being an artist in the park, ex like normally I wouldn't be up there at 5, 6 a.m. Normally I wouldn't be up there at 8 o'clock at night, but artist in the park gave me that opportunity or, you know, it was the prod I needed to get out there and see the country in different times of day. And that I still work, I still am very conscious of in my artwork now. Being in nature, being in our park, in nature, it made me also realize a lot of time being a landscape artist I would tend to focus mostly on the landscape and less on the sky. The sky was sort of just a backdrop to the landscape. And being in the different parks during the different times of day, the sky became much more important to my artwork. For example, in the night, there's a lot going on in the sky. And in the morning, there's a lot going on in the sky. And some of my paintings began to reflect more skyscapes than landscapes, like what the clouds were doing. The different, you know how you come across like some squalls the sky is so big here. And so being out in the different parks during the different times of day, it forced me to pay more attention to the sky. A lot of times I just put on my hat and sunglasses and look down and try to avoid it if it's hot and sunny. But I remember going up to um, Park Avenue once during um, there were squalls happening all around and going up there and observing the potholes changing because of the rainstorm. The squalls in the sky or the dark blue next to the horizon and then the way the afternoon sun was making these clouds like the whitest white you ever saw. And in contrast, like to the dark blue on the horizon of the upcoming storm, the contrast, like just the skies are so busy. And I tend to think a lot of times living in Moab, I just go, ah, it's a blue sky day. But it really isn't. When you look at the sky, there's a lot more going on than even the birds flying. You know, there's a lot more going on up there than I typically ever gave it credit for or thought about. When I was artist in the park in 2011, I went back to Natural Bridges, and it was in the autumn. And 
because I was artist in the park. I went there. Otherwise, I probably would have stayed home and done house chores or some other work. And I'm so glad I did because house chores I never would have remembered. But that day, I will always remember. And it was hiking down this path. And I can't remember the name of the ruin that was down there. But the red hand prints on the wall will stick with me forever in the way the light was. It was, again... I close my eyes at night and I see those handprints. And then you think about the people that made them and their pictographs. And sometimes I go to sleep at night. I'm like, those handprints are still there. Like just the time that lapsed since the first people put them there. And then I saw them in 2011. And that's something that I probably would not have done that day had I not been artist in the park. And I'm so glad I did. I also always brought water with extra water and food in case I ran into people who were hanging out with me. So that was something I learned just from living in Moab is a lot of tourists are not prepared with enough water or food, but mostly water. So when I went out, like on some of the rims at Island in the Sky, way out there and not too close to the rim, of course, you know, back, but people would find me and I don't think any of them had enough water with them. So, and I might be out there for three or four hours and in hats, like I would also bring like bucket caps with me and let the people just take them. Being in a remote location or any location that you're away from your vehicle yeah, it affects uh, the process because watercolor paper, well, like anything, it's expensive. And you tape it, I tape it to board, a board ahead of time. Because with watercolors, that's what you do is you tape the paper down. And if you mess up, which you will mess up, you're going to be out there maybe for three or four hours. That happened to me. And I was out there for three or four hours, like one of my first times out. And I didn't bring a backup. I actually spilled something on my painting. And I flipped it over and worked on the other side. But watercolor paper also has a right side and a wrong side. So I knew like that painting would be toast. And and basically at that point, once I wrecked the good paper side in the original, I was just out there pretending like I was painting for the next three and a half hours. And so from then on, I always packed extra. You can only paint so many bushes on mistakes. Like there's some point you have to just call it and rip it up. Yeah, it was about being prepared and being prepared for mistakes because they will happen and and it will get windy and one painting of mine had so much sand it was almost like special because it was like, like a scratch and you know it, it was had a paint like sand in it one thing that I learned that I still carry with me from artists in the park was I have a lot more respect for plain air artists that I see on the trails. The other artists in the park, when I go to look at their finished work, I realize the challenges they faced creating it. When you're an artist in the park painting watercolors in July, 
it's a lot different than painting in a temperature controlled room in your house and wind and flies landing on things and distractions. I appreciate more what it takes to be a plein air artist, uh, whatever, or anybody. I mean, a piano player at a recital, a guitar player up on stage, a be being a performing artist. The other thing it did that I still carry with me, again, as I mentioned earlier, is being just so much more aware of the changing sounds and lights throughout the time of day. Like, I typically live my life with me in the center of it. Like, the whole universe basically revolves around me from the moment I wake up in the morning. And being an artist in the park made me realize that there's a whole world happening outside of me, everywhere around me. There's chipmunks and lizards and different birds and potholes and seeing different paw prints, you know, in the early morning at Artist in the Park and trying to imagine what went on there the night before in the dark that I wasn't part of. It opened my mind to how the earth around me is alive 24 hours a day, even when I'm not there to view it. Hi. My name is Samantha Zim. Um, uh, most people are familiar with my artwork in watercolor and pen and ink. Um, I originally came to Moab, I think my first trip here was in 2009. And then like I started living in a trailer in someone's backyard in uh, like 2012, I think. Uh, and I came, I don't know, this is so cliche, but I came to climb and I stayed for like, I stayed for the community and I stayed because people approached the priorities in their lives, I felt differently here than anywhere else I'd lived before. Coming from Ohio and the East Coast, like, you hear people say, like, oh, they're so outdoorsy. Like, you don't hear people say that stuff here. Like, everybody is. Like, you're here for the outdoors. <laughs> so. I was the 2020 artist in the park. So I was the pandemic artist in the park. I actually, so I had a break in my Moab, my time in Moab. Um, I moved away in 2016 and then I came back in 2018 and I came back because I wanted to do in large part because I wanted to apply for the artist in the park program it just seemed like it made sense for where I was going with my personal artwork and it's a it's just such a uni unique opportunity to be able to apply for that living here with these parks because it's only open to people who live in Moab they don't provide you with housing you have to be here to do it. I remember when I, I got it in 2019, I remember being on the phone with the lead of the program director and just being really excited and having no idea that we were headed into a global pandemic that was going to totally change the entire experience. <laughs> and it was not what I expected, but it was amazing. <laughs> Back in the, the beginning of the pandemic, none of us knew that it was okay, really, right, to be outdoors together. Um, and the parks were closed but it was worth it just for the relative solitude that I got to experience in the parks uh, versus the normal experience. Because even when they did open the parks back up to tourists, people were not approaching me. Like, you know, they came to be alone there. 
uh, more so than ever before, probably. So even though I would have that board up telling people where I would be and asking and saying like, hey, come bother me, didn't really happen. I had a very solitary experience as the artist in the parks uh, uh, compared to other people. The majority of my interaction and the reason they let me do the project that year, because you're technically an outreach person, right? You're like part of the interp staff and like you go to interp ranger training and that didn't happen that year, like because the, the year was so different for the parks. So the reason that they were supportive of my doing the program in 2020 was because I already had a small online following and I was like, I will post prompts every week or every so often and people, and I'll open a PO box and people can write me letters and I'll respond, you know, in the capacity of the artist in the parks. And I did, which was really cool. I mean, I have, they're actually, they're over there on that shelf. I have like over 200 postcards from like total strangers and like, you forget how cool it is to, I mean, everybody, you know, when you get a real piece of mail, that's like from a friend, it's really exciting. It was really cool opening that PO box every, every week. And it would be like stuffed with like personal stories from total freaking strangers. I got some from Europe, like all over the place. It was really cool. I don't think I got every state, but I got pretty close to every state. Um, but yeah, very, very different experience from the people who were having more social interactions with visitors to Moab and to Arch and Canyonlands. I was already doing landscape artwork that was heavily influenced by the Southeast Utah parks. When I first moved here, I tried to create landscape artwork and it just didn't gel for me. Like for me, landscape artwork was very much a product of being here. I didn't feel compelled to paint landscapes before moving to Moab. And then after enough time, it just became this you develop a relationship with place, right? And that's really kind of what inspired and, and continues to inspire most of my work. And I think when I really started doing this type of landscape art, it was in Zion. And I just bought a new sketchbook, which has, you know, increasingly become what I'm known for, I guess, is sketchbook illustrations. Cracked it open and posted up on, I posted up on some overlook that looks down on Angel's Landing. And that was the first watercolor sketchbook illustration that I did was in Zion. And then continued to experiment with kind of almost surrealist landscape. And the longer I've painted landscapes, the more realistic I think they've become or the more I have tried to make them realistic. But landscape artwork really didn't open up for me until I let go of, of the type of realism that I generally am bound to in scientific and medical illustration. This is also going to sound cliche, but I consider what I do in landscape art emotional landscapes like they're not realism they're not exactly how it looks but they are in a way how I feel about those places I try not to ever leave my sketchbook at home just because you never know really when you're gonna have time for it I think one of the primary struggles for most creatives is both carving out the time and also capitalizing on the creative impulse like I can absolutely have a good idea and just let it slide and not make anything like it will bother me, but I'll get over it. Like, you know, there's so many things to entertain us these days. It's really easy not to do the hard thing and sit down and paint. Um, but the more opportunities I can provide myself with to try to actually capitalize on the creative impulse when I have it, um, then the, the more likely it is that I'll actually make art.
Um, so I try and take my sketchbook everywhere with me, but sometimes I destination sketch where I'm, or paint where I'm like, the more time I spend outside, it's partially capitalizing on the creative impulse and partially like, I don't get the desire to paint and draw when I'm just in my house all the time or looking at a computer. Like that is for me very, very often linked to creating the mental space and being outdoors where I can allow the desire to create reflections of the world around me in, and there's no technology to distract me. (laughs) When I started climbing, I was really looking for something that would take me out of civilization. Um, I started climbing when I was in college in Ohio, very unlikely place to get into rock climbing. But I was looking very intentionally for something that would take me out of civilization and just be an experience I could have outdoors with my friends. We all know that climbing takes you some of the most beautiful places you can go. And um, it's probably kind of where the impulse to start with landscape artwork began for me was climbing and being out in these just incredibly striking places. I just also really like the color red. So (laughs) when I moved to Moab, something was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use a lot of red. (laughs) A lot of, I use a lot of burnt sienna and a lot of uh, rose, permanent rose. That's the, that's the combo for the Moab rock color. (laughs) Even though I am painting Moab, which all of Moab is iconic, I... And of course, I've painted Delicate Arch, I've painted Castleton, all that kind of stuff. But I tend to not really prioritize painting super recognizable landmarks. Um, I like allowing for a more organic experience of the place that you find yourself. And if, for me, it's and this is really typical for most landscape artists, is it's all about the light and you know, I mean, we've all been just some random place like the city market parking lot and been like, oh my God, the the rim looks amazing right now. <laughs> Point when you're like going to get trash bags and the sun's going down and you're like, ah! <laughs> I kind of just let the experiences sneak up on me. It's And it's kind of my favorite part instead of like ticking off, like I've painted delicate arch and I've painted the windows and I've painted turret arch or whatever, just kind of Um, allowing those experiences to creep up on you as you're in the environment. There were a lot of opportunities to kind of really explore the parks in a different way, partially because there was less traffic in 2020. Um, But also I knew that I wanted to integrate a backcountry trip into my experience of the CAIP program. So I had already planned to get into the Mays District, and I knew I wanted to go in via the river via uh, the Green River and Stillwater Canyon. But, you know, I ended up having a lot of incredible experiences in just quiet parts of the park that there wasn't anybody there. Like probably one of my favorite experiences from my year was just walking back into Sand Dune Arch by myself. There was nobody there. You could just hear canyon runs and ravens and wind. And there were no footprints because just people weren't coming or they weren't allowed to come at certain junctures. And uh, I just had this like super private experience of that arch having never been back there before. And just, you know, windblown sand. It was like the first first set of footprints back into there at that point were mine. And it's not on any postcard. 
like maybe it's on a postcard, but it's not the postcard that people buy. They all buy the Delicate Arch postcard. <laughs> when this started, it was a reaction to my day job. I wanted to create a body of work that was was personal and was um, freeform. Like my early landscape work is really wobbly. And like when I say I threw out realism, I really did. And it helped when I was learning the medium of watercolors as well, just to let it happen and react to whatever happened on the page instead of having really like, I need this paint to go here. I need this to look like this. Like just throw out your expectations of yourself and the medium and just see what happens and adapt to it. Yeah, now that I have this relationship with this creative practice of making work more for myself, uh, that, you know, it doesn't pay for my life. Like it's, I don't put the financial burden of supporting me on my watercolor work. And I think it is kind of a gift you can give yourself as an artist. Sometimes I think it's really great to have a deadline and to have an expectation for you to produce work. Producing art on demand for anything where you're producing for, where there's an expectation for production out of it. It's, it's hard. Like, particularly if you have a job on top of this commitment, it's hard. And six months is a really long time producing work kind of on an on-demand basis and an ongoing on-demand basis. I found it easiest to create work when I was in the backcountry, um, particularly because the big backcountry trip that I took into the maze was the most laid-back backcountry trip I've ever taken. I floated the river. Uh, it was a nine-day trip, which is also the longest backcountry trip I've ever done. And really, the priority for the trip was to make art as opposed to, you know, log miles or like crush it in the outdoors or like see this particular thing. It was just like, no, I'm just going to paint what I see and I'm going to give myself that time. I think probably the primary challenge facing most working artists right now is carving out the time to allow yourself to make art. Backcountry trips are just a perfect way to like, you're in your isolation bubble now, like Maybe you brought a book with you, but I didn't. I brought sketchbooks, and and then it just it happens so much more easily in that setting. Okay. It's again a really unique thing for me. Is usually the artists in the parks there will be an experience of having people watch you. Like I really didn't have that experience because people were very rarely watching me. Every now and then they'd kind of peek over your shoulder. But I saw so few people compared to, I think, a, a normal year for a community artist. So I was not on display the same way that other community artists were, which uh, people who know me have been joking about ever since because they were like, oh, turns out you didn't have to be public facing because I'm a pretty big introvert. <laughs> and it was when I signed up for the community artists in the parks program, I thought the primary challenge was going to be interfacing with the public that is not what the primary challenge ended up being for me because of the pandemic. It was, I, it was challenging to find a way initially to interface with people. And, you know, I responded to every single postcard I got. So I wrote over 200 postcards in response to people. And that was a lot, but it was a really nice way to stay connected to the rest of the world in that time. Um, Honestly, I think the primary challenge was just that the pandemic was really stressful for everyone. And I mean, that was the year of the George Floyd protests and the pandemic was just nuts. I mean, I remember the day that I set out on my backcountry trip into the maze down Stillwater uh, was the day after um, Trump was diagnosed with COVID. 
and it was just it was such a weird time and all of us were so glued to our social media and phones I think trying to like find any way to interact with the rest of the world. That backcountry trip into the maze was so amazing on so many levels and one of them was just like it was so liberating to not have reception and to just be like I don't know what's going on out there and I don't care. Not, no bad news can get me while I am in here. And I mean, you know, that there was the year of the killer hornets and like everything just kept being so insane. And it was just so incredibly like liberating and healing to not be able to find out what was going on anymore. And just to be like, I'm here and I'm fully here. I mean, it is truly a really unique experience. Like if you are a, a creative person living in Moab, um, you should definitely apply for it because... Uh, it's not open to people who don't live here and our parks are like just so incredible and it's going to be a gift to be able to work in them for sure. I would encourage people who have other different types of mediums to apply. We have like a huge creative community here and many people are not painters. I think that the stereotype with the community artist program is that you have to be making all of your artwork out there. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessary. I think you can be a studio artist and do this program. And, uh, and you can be an artist who isn't a painter and do this program. And I think it would be... I, first off, I think the park would like it if, if some people who weren't painters would apply. And also, I think that it's, uh, it's totally workable. Dealing with weather and elements as part of the community artist program is... I mean, it's definitely a thing because you're out there. And, uh, but for any plein air artist or outdoor artist, it's kind of a big component. Um, for me, I remember, so actually for the community artist program, because you're starting in April and you're ending in October, the way that you, the way that you behave as a community artist inherently, I think needs to adapt to the weather because we all know nobody wants to be out at 3 PM in July. Like it's just a bad idea. Um, and so you start, you know, you start in April and you're getting out in the middle of the day and it's beautiful and there's flowers and all that kind of jazz. Um, and then it's going to get hot, too hot for that. So you're going to like, for me, I was camping a lot in Canyonlands and getting up at like 5am to start painting and drawing and to get out there on the trail and, and, um, that's kind of the only way you can do it in the middle of the summer really is evenings and mornings and really just mornings are the best because the rock and the world has had time to cool off or overnight. And then by October you can get out in the middle of the day again. So you inherently have to adapt um, because you're out in the elements. Um, and then for me also, yeah, it depends on the year, but um, the year that in 2020 there were wildfires for sure. And I did a couple pieces that were just totally smoke choked and the process was just like, you know, you just smell like you're at a barbecue the whole time. And it's a little brutal being out there uh, when it's really smoky. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it, it is a huge factor of making art outdoors, but I like that it influences the work that you make. It's, it, it makes the work a product of the environment in a completely different way than if you're working in the studio. My name is Julia Buckwalter. I'm an oil painter and I paint on uh, mostly large-scale canvas. I came to Moab in 2012 because when I first traveled to Moab from Orem at the age of maybe five, 
I was like, I'm gonna move to Moab one day. So it was just always on the back burner. Always a plan. Um, I've stayed ever since. Uh, and uh, because of the landscape, I'm just absolutely in love with the desert, with open skies, clouds, the variety of the color spectrum out here. Um, I was artist in the park year 2021. Uh, Arches National Park, Canyonlands National Park, uh, Heaven Weep National Monument and Natural Bridges National Monument. And uh, what inspired me to participate in the program is I like applying to things that are outside of my comfort zone from time to time. Um, I hadn't done that kind of public painting really. And uh, I, was, I was really curious about it and I thought, well, I'll get to spend more time out in the landscape that, that speaks to me, so I'm gonna do it. Um, it's, it is a volunteer uh, program, but you do get to sell your uh, you know, cards, prints, what have you, depending on your, your medium in the, uh, the visitor centers, in the gift shops. So you do end up achieving some amount of income, which is amazing. So I am a distance runner, I'm a trail runner, and I would say that my deep relationship with the desert has come from years of running in the desert, um, in the mountains when I've lived in the mountains, but specifically uh, here in Moab, um, as a child, when we'd uh, go on trips down here, I would, I would sometimes accompany my dad. He was a, a big runner back in the day, so I would, I'd go on little runs with him. Um, and I love being out in the landscape. I like scrambling over rocks. Um, I've never really been part of any particular, you know, team sports or the Moab specific, like, you know, you're a climber or a biker or this or that. I've always just kind of dabbled and mostly been a runner. Um, that's my vibe. And uh, I would say it hugely affects my art. I'm constantly paying attention to the changes of colors in the sky, in the rock, um, just what's happening on different days. I always, I look at the weather first thing when I wake up because I'm, I'm wondering whether or not I'm gonna go for a run and when and if it's gonna storm and whether or not they're gonna be huge clouds and you know, so it has a huge effect on, on my interest. And um, the, the Artists in the Park experience for me, I would say was uh, it was a really busy year, 2021, right after COVID. Um, so that was kind of interesting. You know, there was some, some masking, some not wearing the masks out in, you know, outside from time to time. It, it was uh, unusual in that regard. And, and it, it made me feel kind of awkward at times con conversating with people and sometimes deciding to put a mask on. <laughs> um, I would say the hardest thing for me was probably dealing with the elements, hours of painting outside in the heat, bugs. Um, I got heat stroke a couple times, migraines. <laughs> so, you know, taking the right amount of water, food, caffeine, hat, sunblock, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so you're really out there. You gotta be careful, you know, standing in one place or sitting in one place for a long period of time. Um, it was really interesting to me to meet so many different people who it, it felt like a, a pretty even combination of people had read the sign and they knew I was going to be there and that, that I was the artist in the park and they chat with me or they had no idea who I was 
and they were wondering why I was there or they needed to they needed the um, directions to the bathroom or they wanted trail advice you know so interesting um, so it was it was kind of funny you know you're kind of one thing I've remarked upon for people is I don't I don't think people realize it's it's a little bit of being like a Cinderella at Disneyland you know you're kind of on display um, and you're there to to answer all, all manner of questions in some ways and you have to be kind of ready for that I would say that the plain air experience um, the way it influenced me was I realized I kind of suck at it <laughs> I feel like I'm a studio painter. That's my thing. I like to work large scale. I like to work for six to eight hours at a time, and I'm usually listening to music and not talking to anybody. And that's totally different from working plein air as artists in the park on a small canvas. You know, there's wind, there's the elements, and people are chatting with you, and it's it's a whole different experience. So. Um, it made me think, well, man, I'm just not a natural at this. <laughs> um, I did a lot of journaling when I was out there. I have a whole notebook, which is, is fun for me to peruse over time and see uh, the variety of experiences I've had on different days and you know, different conversations, different things I noticed. Um, my notes on, on uh, oil paints that I wanted to use when I got back home, I thought, okay, you know, like this looks like you know, yellow ochre with a little touch of cerulean, a little bit of white, and then there's some, you know, uh, alizarin crimson in the cracks. Like, I would make notes like that. So it was kind of kind of cool in, in some ways to, to really be out there thinking about exactly what, what colors am I going to use when I try this painting again that I'm having a hard time <laughs> working on out here. Um, and yes, being creating a schedule, being on demand, doesn't come quite as naturally to me. I really have to like, you know, buckle down and and uh, make that stuff happen. You know, being my own boss is a is a new thing for me um, nowadays. And and I would say, artists in the park helped my art career hugely. That kind of exposure, working through social media on Instagram, um, it's really made a difference in uh, in my desire to uh, succeed and create more work and uh, um, provide uh, essentially you, you do have to look at it as a businesswoman I'm, I'm providing a product you know and you learn through artists in the park just how much effort goes into if, if you're in in the printing uh, element of it just how much effort goes into that you know signing hundreds of prints packaging them how much time does it take how much time do you need to set aside for that so so that's a whole other interesting um experience um i would say that in terms of the location that spoke to me the most i really just love Canyonlands because i think i'm mostly about the big vistas and sprawling landscape being able to see for miles deep canyons and you do have that in Arches, but it's more off the beaten path. You know, a lot of more of the experience of being in Arches is connecting with um, rock formations, which I love, but um, more surrounded by people. So I was a little less able to kind of tune in on onto, into my own, uh, you know, quiet artist, um, introverted self. <laughs> um, 
it's arts in the park is something I would recommend for everyone to do. I know there are fluctuations in, you know, how successful it can be for different people, different years. You know, what's going on in the world? How does that affect your experience? Um, but I would say for any any artist, any creative, it's always good to push yourself out of your com- comfort zone, and uh, and that's why I did it. <laughs> And I would say my words of encouragement for future artists is um, uh, don't pay attention to what everyone else is doing. Like, find out what moves you and what speaks to you and and chart your own course and chart your own path. That's all that matters. <laughs> I tended to be too exhausted on my park days to go out and be in the sun again some more. So if I... If I was running, um, I I went on evening runs back home. I, I thought about running in the park on my park days, but I tended to go, I tend to be more of an afternoon active person just with um, with work and, and also uh, physical activity. So it's usually getting pretty late by the time I, I would end my session in the park. And, uh, and I, I would either just run a trail I felt like I knew that you know hey if I sprain my ankle I'm I'm not you know calling park staff and Candylands to, to come help me <laughs> you know I know it my way back home or whatever from my usual trails I would say the most unusual unexpected favorite spot for me was um sitting up on whale rock and looking out west and I couldn't believe and, and also in that same neck of the woods up on Aztec Butte, I had some really, really powerful experiences up there, you know, the kind of spine tingly, um, I'm, I'm feeling really connected with the landscape and just everything feels really right kind of moments up there that were really special. And I, I did a lot of journaling about that to kind of, um, you know, take back into the studio after after my uh, sketching and uh, and painting attempts. One of my favorite runs is a Mossaback and I you know I I go up there and and I'll just sit and stare at Jackson Butte for you know 30 minutes and and just everything around and and, and watch the birds swooping around me and I take photos um, rarely when I'm running. It's it's more a matter of when I'm taking a break, you know. And then I go, okay, like I'm gonna take some photos because this is insane right now, and I'm gonna want to paint this someday. And I I have a huge trove of photos from years and years of uh, you know taking a break during a run and uh, capturing a specific cloud that I just know I'm gonna want to paint one day. And sometimes it's a, a year later, years later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I'm constantly just getting in the zone, I would say, outside. And then that, the memory of that, even if I, that's not what I'm painting, I just feel like it, it, it's just a, a zenful space being out in, in the desert, you know? sitting in it, uh, staring at it, smelling in it, you know, just the, everything of it, you know, I love monsoon season, that's like my favorite, because the smell of rain in the desert, I think, is just the most heavenly scent there is, you know, the, the scent in the earth, and I think about that when I'm 
working on a cloud randomly or painting sagebrush. I'm like, mm, you know, just kind of, it gets me just back in the, in the excitement of, you know, and I, I just think there's so much subconsciously that gets translated, you know, just in your, the energy of the place makes it into the painting somehow. If you have a successful painting, people go, oh, I can really feel it. And then you go, okay, good. I, I uh, translated something there, you know, I made it happen. You can catch Great Wide Open on the KCMU Airwaves every second Monday of the month at 4 p.m. Archives are at kzmu.org or on your podcast player at KZMU Public Affairs. <laughs>